Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. He also said that every generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos. And I am your host, Janet Karen Lesson, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson and Kevin Estrella. Our producer for today's show is Thomas Becker, and this is Revolution Radio. And our guest today is Betsy Lewis. And I'm going to read a little bit about what Betsy said in her newsletter and uh, the description of her new book, called Deja Vu, because this topic is very important. Deja Vu, the past lives of famous people. So she writes, In his book, Many Lives, Many Masters, a group of highly evolved souls calling themselves the Masters first contacted Dr. Brian Weiss through his patient, Catherine. They spoke of past lives. They said, We choose when it went, when, yeah, sorry, we choose when we will come into our physical state and when we will leave. We know we have accomplished what we were sent down here to accomplish. We know when the time is up. And you will accept your death, for you know that you can get nothing more out of this life. When you have time, when you've had, when you've had time to rest and re-energize your soul, you are allowed to choose your re-entry back into the physical state. Those people who hesitate, who are not sure they'll return here, they might lose their chance that was given them, a chance to fulfill what they must when they're in the physical state. So Betsy Lewis, our guest, says, I have reread these words by the masters many times and thought about the current state of our world. The vibrant 
vibrational energy of our planet is growing lower and lower. And if we continue to destroy our fragile planet by destroying forests and our oxygen sources, polluting our water and oceans, and destroying plants and animals to near extent extinction, how will we new souls, how will the new souls be able to survive and evolve spiritually in such a world? And consider this, if and when you reincarnate again, you'll be one of those children. So she talks about as reincarnated Atlanteans who lived here thousands of years ago, we had advanced technology, but we also had greed and materialism, just like we do today. And we have returned now to clear the karma of Atlantis. You see, there are other types of karma, countries, cities, and continents. We now have a comfortable, spoiled existence, and it's easy to sit back and do nothing and think others will make the changes for us. But we can't. The clock is ticking. And even if some of the earth changes are part of a natural cycle, we still have to make an effort to undo the harm we have caused earth, or we will not have the physical bodies to be reborn in. And it's true, we can still grow on the spiritual side once we have died, but the greater growth is in this physical body. So speak up and let your voices be heard by writing to Congress, your leaders, even President Trump, and urge him to start honoring the earth and cleaning up the mess. It's not too late and we can make a difference. About the book Deja Vu. Do you recall walking along the ancient golden sands of some forgotten time? This eerie feeling is known as Deja Vu, defined as a current situation experience that feels like it has already been experienced in the past. Deja vu is the instant feeling of familiarity. It can be a stranger who seems like a beloved old friend. It could be the time you visit, visited an ancient city and sensed this was home. And if you are like me, you have experienced deja vu throughout your lives. So in the book Deja Vu, Betsy's going to talk about the past lives of famous people like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Thomas Edison, Mark Twain, Jack London, Benjamin Franklin, Ulm Seti, Henry Ford, General George S. Patton, Napoleon Bonaparte, William Peter Blatty, uh, Edgar Casey, Shirley MacLaine. Are you are you not on, hon? No. Okay. Maybe the show's at four thirty. Not four. No, it's four. Well. I'll go. I'll tell a man. I'm on live. Uh, I'll tell a man to call you. Mad, go ahead and call Sasha again. He's uh, not on. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, we're going to go through this book. And the uh, bad painter is going to try to get uh, Dr. Sasha Lesson on. So, <laughs> welcome to the show, Betsy. Uh, let me do a little voice check with Kevin. Uh, Kevin, are you on? Kevin Estrella. I sure am. I sure am. Oh, good. I didn't realize that Sasha wasn't there. Uh, we're getting him on now. So, how are you today, Kevin? <laughs> You're up there. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing really well. <laughs> Oh, I'm good, doing really good, well. good, 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 yeah. good. <laughs> I'm talking, and I thought Sasha was there. He's not there yet, but I think he's there now. Sasha, voice check, are you there? Okay. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I might have to go to it, the It's showing him here. I called him four times. <laughs> he probably has it plugged in the wrong uh, thing there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we did this uh, last week. Are you there? <laughs> Sasha, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I, uh, I am. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, good. We we couldn't hear you. We heard nothing coming from you. So good. <laughs> How are you I doing? Was yelling, you well, I, I was yelling. I was yelling all 
I was yelling all the way to the into the United States, and I couldn't hear me. Huh? <laughs> Anyway, you risk you missed the intro, so go on to the uh, page. I have a page, everybody, on AquarianRadio.com. I've got the um, bio for Betsy and the intro. Okay, in the Mad Painting, you're there. Okay, the troops all here. I'm here. So, Betsy Lewis, welcome to our show. Uh, you know, I usually have you every year, and I realized I missed you in 2017. So don't let me do yes. that again. <laughs> okay. Well, great to be back, Janet and Sasha. Good to yeah. talk to you. It has been a long time. I didn't realize it was um, 2017 when we last talked. But wow. No, it was actually I think 2016. I well, You're this right. I'm missing a show. 2016. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that. And we have a, a new co-host, Kevin Estrella. So. He's going to be uh, joining in in this very important topic. So this is an incredible book. What? How did you do this? How did you get all these stories of these famous people? <laughs> well, and then, of course, I, the, the last part is that there's a uh, Los Angeles actress who recalled oh, yeah. her past life as Jean Harlow. So we're going to talk about all these things. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, about the, the connection with, with the Kennedys. So good. Let's take it one step at a time. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I became interested in reincarnation when my mother, and you know, let me know that uh, she remembered a past life in China, and I was quite young then, but she recalled it so clearly. She remembered helping to build the Great Wall of China, and she actually remembered being buried inside the Great Wall. And wow. yeah, at the time, no one knew that. This is back in the 60s. And now it's been discovered that bodies were entombed in the Great Wall. So, you know, that was pretty amazing. But um, I've remembered a couple of things, uh, bits and pieces of different lives. And I've always been fascinated with many of the stories that um, I wrote about. I've, you know, I saw the movie Patton. You probably saw that with George C. Scott and how yes. he remembered being a warrior on the battlefield. Um, you know, I, I got chills when I watched that, that he was standing there and he knew that he had been a warrior, a Roman warrior. He believed that he had been, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a prehistoric mammoth hunter. He believed that he had uh, fought with the Persians. He had been a soldier for Alexander the Great, and he was uh, a Roman legionnaire under Julius Caesar. He believed he was a knight, an English knight during the Hundred Years' War, and um, he was with Napoleon. So, and I'm sure if we have another world war, he'll be back because he said, you know, he knew, he knew he came back for World War II. He knew he had a mission. So some of these stories are really incredible. Uh, great stories, all of them. And of course, <clears throat> there was my story, which I investigated in 1981, of an actress. Her name was Jean also, and she believed that she was the reincarnation of Jean Harlow. Oh. And, yes. Okay. <laughs> and what was really interesting and how, you know, it's really interesting how I found her through another person. I was working at a talent agency at the time. And... 
you know, this friend of hers introduced me. She had a lot of weird things going on, a lot of paranormal things. The first time I met her at her house in Studio City, we went inside her house and she told me she had spirits there. And I thought, okay, sure, sure. And as soon as we walked into her kitchen, the light went out. It, it turned off by itself. It was like one of these hard switches, you know, in older homes. Uh-huh. And it just switched off. And as soon as we walked out of the room, it switched back on. So I thought, ooh, this is pretty bizarre. <laughs> but she began to tell me that she went to Brad Steiger. And I'm sure you've heard of Brad Steiger. He, you know, oh, he's, yes. Uh, yeah, he's well known he in the paranormal world. And he regressed her. And what she revealed under hypnosis and what she remembered, too, that as Jean Harlow, uh, she had been invited to John Joseph P. Kennedy's house. That was the father of uh-huh. JFK and Bobby Kennedy. And it was um, a big party, I guess. She spent the night there. She woke up in the middle of the night to look for her for a coat she had left downstairs and she walked downstairs she could hear some men arguing it was late at night and there was a basement she went downstairs and it was pretty dark in there and pretty soon someone grabbed her and pulled her into the room and there she watched a very important leader and I'm not going to say who it was but she watched them actually murder assassinate this great leader and someone in the world very important and you know he told her that um you know that she would have to pay the price for watching it and you know a lot of people don't know that joseph p kennedy was actually involved with some big crime people <laughs> a lot of crime uh-huh. people. uh sam G- giacana was one of the people uh-huh. that he involved in so much of her story, even though it was so bizarre, um, and there's no way of proving this, um, but um, there's just a lot of things that started to fall into place. So there might be, and we know the Kennedys have been involved in a lot of things, and especially with blondes. Um, I guess Joseph P. Kennedy was quite the womanizer. Uh-huh. So there, there are elements of truth. So I think you'll enjoy reading that um, all of you out there, it's it's really a fascinating story. Yeah, the the Kennedys have been associated with a lot of bizarre things. I had a, a girlfriend when I was living in State College, and uh, she had been regressed, and we were we would hypnotize each other. We kept going into oh, all wow. these past lives. We would do it for for days on end. You know, whenever mm-hmm. we had time, we'd go through this hypnosis and. But she she already knew it's going to sound weird. But she she believed firmly she was Marilyn Monroe. And when oh, I wow. met her, she acted like her. And oh, wow. she was ten years younger than me, uh, so she was born in '64. And I, I, I even looked at her, like, and she said to me when I first met her, she goes, "Do you believe in reincarnation?" And then I I went, "Yes." And then I started saying, <laughs> "I don't know why it just came out of me." I said. So, uh, were you murdered or, or did you suicide? And then she started to tell me the story. Like, we didn't, I didn't say who she was. I just knew as soon as she said, you believe in reincarnation. And, and she swore up and down that Ted did it. Ted was the one. He put a pillow over her uh, and smothered her. <laughs> and then Whoa. she was out of her body. 
and she described everything what had happened and she was out of her body and even when where she went after she died she said you're the ufo person you won't believe this but i found myself on a spaceship after i died so anyway mm. uh, i can't find her anymore <laughs> you know now i'm doing all these radio shows that was you know in the in the well, uh that's interesting early 90s. Well, you know, this person, her name was Jean, uh, she went by the last name of Lawrence, and that wasn't her true name, that was the stage name that she was using. She never became uh -huh. a famous actress, and afterwards, she vanished. Um, I ran into a friend years later that said that he saw her on a flight, I think, from L.A. to New York, and she claimed she had cancer, and I don't know if that's true, And I, and the other friend that had originally introduced me to her claimed that um, they lost contact and she had no idea what happened to her so he she just vanished <laughs> so but what's really interesting is i had set up a big interview with the national Enquirer. this was going to go uh -huh. nationwide and she was all set to do it they wanted their show you know their their story to get out there. They even wanted to make a movie out of it and thought because my step-uncle was William Peter Blatty that wrote The Exorcist that uh -huh. they were going to get this story made into a big movie and of course he couldn't help them. He was in Hungary at the time working on another movie and he wasn't going to get involved but um, yeah so <laughs> um, at the last minute she decided she didn't want to do the story. I mean she just totally said you know that's it I'm, I'm not going to do it and I don't know why it would have been her big chance to reveal everything but she um, also remembered about Paul Byrne who was her abusive husband he was 25 20 years older 25 years older than she was and he was an executive at MGM and and he was really abusive uh, and so uh -huh. she described that under hypnosis it's pretty detailed information so yeah, it's a great story. I don't know if it's oh. believable, but I told the story, and people can judge for themselves. Yes, yes. Well, that sounds exciting. So, um, so there's all these famous people. Like, uh, were they were these famous people famous people before, or were they just unknown well, people? Anybody who's famous no. now, no famous then? Well, how about Napoleon Bonaparte? <laughs> He's quite yeah. famous. Yeah. Um, but who was he before? Um, well, he believed that he had been many great, um, important people through the years, um, and kind of like, kind of like Patton, he believed that he had been warriors and and famous people. I think he believed that he was. Um, I'm trying to remember the person that he thought he was, but. Um, he believed that he also believed um, not all. Well, he believed in reincarnation, but he was fascinated with Egypt. And in 1798, he went to Egypt and he actually spent the night inside the Great Pyramid, which is interesting. And something very strange happened to him that night. And he, uh -huh. I guess the next morning he emerged and his soldiers thought, you know, he looked pretty white. He looked pretty scared, like he'd seen a ghost. But I guess on his deathbed, what he said 
was that he told his best friend who asked him what he saw in the Great Pyramid that night. He said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And some people think that what he saw there was actually a vision of the future, his future, and he didn't want to reveal that. So there was something so incredible that he just didn't want to reveal it. So I think that's a great story. He took it with him to his grave. He did. He did. And uh, it's really interesting. I had some friends who, three of them, who went inside the Great Pyramid. They were somehow able to get in there one night and spent the night in there, too. And what's really strange is that they were encountered these orbs, these spheres. Uh, the first group as they were going into the king's chamber were these glowing red orbs that stopped them in their tracks. And they said several prayers. You know, they, they believed that, you know, if they let these orbs, you know, know that they were there and not to harm anything, they could pass. And sure enough, um, the the orbs turned into huge blue orbs, and uh, one of them appeared at the king's doorway, and then morphed into a very tall, faceless human. <laughs> but they felt that um, the red orbs were like guard dogs in protecting the Great Pyramid, the, the king's chamber, and other people have had incredible incredible experiences. So there's something to that uh, with these pyramids that um, they have incredible power. And of course, you know, a lot of people believe that the Great Pyramid could have been some kind of energy vortex or could have been some kind of time machine. You believe that too? Yes, yes. I have Uh had a lot of personal experiences with uh, pyramids. my, my band's name is Pyramids on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are those on Mars, too. Absolutely. Yeah. What happened uh, for you? What, what kind of experiences did you have with pyramids, Kevin? Oh, geez. Um, oh, God. It's a brief one. Not <laughs> the brief one. Um, a guy, uh, Campbell Foster, who I interviewed on my show, he developed, he built this thing called the, um, he calls it the spirit machine, but it's, it's, his company is a pyramidian. It's a, it's a pyramid, the, the base is a pyramid based on the sacred geometry of the Cheops pyramid. And then there's almost like this symbol, like a, like a, like a drum symbol on top of it, which spans the entire um, perimeter of the, of the pyramid. And it, this thing plays this incredible music, the sound coming from it. It's amplifying the sacred geometry wow. of the pyramid. Wow! It sounds like it sounds like an old analog keyboard, like a Moog synthesizer from the seventies. This thing is what it sounds like. Oh, it's completely wow. natural. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Zahi Awas during? Um, I think it was like the eighties, nineteen eighties. Took a film crew in there. National Geographic was a part of it, and they had found this secret door, this chamber, and they were gonna. <laughs> they thought they were gonna find something, and all they found was kind of another door that they couldn't get to. They had to send in a robot, but it was it was such a three ring circus. It was just ludicrous. But oh um, yeah, uh, those shows back in the eighties, they would sensationalize everything and, and mm-hmm. build up and. Uh, what was Geraldo Rivera did some yeah. of those were were right. tracking us down and all this yeah. <laughs> it was I know. 
and they never found anything, right? <laughs> but there are those right. chambers and um, doors that seem to go nowhere. So what were they used for? Um, there's just so many theories about the Great Pyramid and how, to, how it was built. I still think there Sash? was some levitation involved. Sash? Yeah, Sash might have some insights. Do you want to share anything about what you've learned about the pyramids? Well, what I know is what the uh, the Anunnaki uh, uh, told uh, a guy named uh, Enki uh, told his uh, scribe, uh, and then Zechariah Sitchin, my teacher, translated it, and uh, then other. Uh, so it comes down to uh, the uh, pyramid was multi-purposeful. There's stagnant water underneath it, and when they pumped on the water uh, with a pump. Which, which is a, a channel to the Nile, uh, under pressure, it started, uh, they would do it, especially as the energy was coming up, the piezoelectric energy changes uh, just before the sun comes up, about 4 a.m. And uh, you combine those two things, and right above it, in the chambers, and uh, uh, some of our scientific colleagues actually did a, a test to see what was poured down these little portals, and mm. basically, uh, hydrated potassium and uh, hydrochloric acid were then combined over this pumping uh, telluric uh, energy that was coming up, and this caused a hydrogen explosion when the HCl and the uh, potassium joined. And then all around, there was uh, like uh, 24, uh, what they called it was was um, uh, precious stones, but what that means is computer, computer basically amplifiers, and it was projected out the top of the pyramid where it was picked up in the monoliths. That's how the lights shine in Luxor because uh, the the, um, the Egyptians had um, they they had electricity indeed. But way be way beyond all that, there were a lot of other things uh, going on uh, in the records, and basically there was weapons there. Uh, and when Ninurta uh, and Inanna uh, uh, were chasing Marduk through this place, um, there was. Uh, uh, Basically, Anu calmed uh, Inanna and said, you better not catch him. He's got weapons. He'll kill you. But when Ninurta got control of it, he took off the Gug stone, which was on top, made of electrum, uh, and he took whatever he could, and he broke everything else. Uh, and so uh, that's all the story there. But, of course, underneath the pyramid, there's a uh, portal that goes down uh, It's one of, to the tunnels that connect with Shambhala, with, with the whole complex of, of, the, uh, of Agartha, the underworld. And uh, yeah, one of um, one of my friends, Grace, uh, had an experience where she was possessed by uh, uh, a spirit uh, uh, in the Great Pyramid. Another, I think, it was Joan Hangarden, uh, died when she was in the pyramid and was uh, and was revived. All kinds of incredible experiences have happened to people who uh, what, what Grace was able to do. But she actually got to lie, get into the sarcophagus, and that's where she had an incredible experience too. Uh -huh. Anyway, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, uh, you know, uh, because of my ethnicity, I'm reluctant to, to go to Egypt at all, even though Mr. Sisi is friendly <laughs> to my people. <laughs> well, uh, do any of you remember when Zahi was the head of, he was the head of the Department of Antiquities at the time, oh, wanted yeah. to have a gold capstone put on the top of the Great Pyramid, and I guess there was such an uproar about it that it never happened, but, um, that, you know, according to Casey, that there was a gold capstone on the Great Pyramid, yeah. Edgar Casey said that under his trance sleep. 
church type state and that it had incredible power when it had the well, that's, so that yeah, the pure, that's a pure yeah, idiom it was also chosen wait what are the okay go ahead and then the I'll purpose let of the electrum uh, or, the, or the gold on top is you could, you could see it all the way from flying over Europe. It was so far. And with the, the, uh, after the uh, spaceport uh, uh, was wiped out in Noah's flood of, of um, 13,000 or so BCE, they had built an alternate spaceport in the Sinai. And uh, the pyramids were the marker where you're supposed to turn in order to land on the great big runway in Sinai. This according to the Sumerians. Of course, I wasn't there, so I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, go ahead. What you you were, say? Well, maybe you were, Sasha. You might have been there in another <laughs> lifetime. How do you know? Oh, yes, I, I, what I mean is I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm aware of avoiding uh, uh, Egypt since uh, Israel, uh, France, and Britain uh, took, you know, took the canal back, and Ike made him give it back to the Egyptians, I haven't felt safe going there. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you want to say something? Yeah, Go ahead. I was just, just saying, yeah, the, the 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 capstone of the pyramid is called the pyramidion. That's that's the top part. And the other the other thing that was that about uh, my experience with the pyramidion, this instrument that. Uh, I played, and this is this is uh, very important. Um, I was playing along with it with my guitar, but then because the energy was so powerful with this instrument, that I decided to control it telepathically, and I did. I changed the sound of. Uh, I actually was able to change the frequency from you know from a fifth to a third into higher into higher intervals and bring the volume up and down telepathically of this pyramid. Wow. And the significance of this, as I said, this is all synchronicities. Um, I finally realized I was actually playing a pyramid. <laughs> my, my, my band is Pyramids on Mars. I've worn a pyramid since <laughs> I was a teenager. Great name. <laughs> and the day that I did, the day he, Campbell didn't even know that you could play this instrument telepathically. I was the very first person to do it. And the, the more significance of this, guess what day it was? It was my birthday. <laughs> and it was like I was born I have for this. One born for this, yeah. And I just remember uh, Sodom, and, I remember a past life involving the area. It wasn't the pyramid, but it was the Sphinx. And the, Sodom and Gomorrah was blowing up, and we were warned. And so we ran to the right paw of the Sphinx, which somehow we had access to. And as we were going down towards what we, they were calling the Halls of Amenti, we uh, encountered like a um, a barrier, but it put us into our molecular form. So suddenly we were in our molecular form. We weren't dead. We weren't alive. We were just, you know, into our like Osiris. We were dissolved into our molecular form. Um, but we were able to somehow we knew how to, you know, regather our form and then reconstitute ourselves as solid um, humanoid beings. So I, I wasn't quite a human. I was a humanoid. But that was a that was a clear uh, memory. I, my past life memories are not always human, so <laughs> I just want to warn you. Uh, I have a lot of human <laughs> ones, but I have. Uh, no, nope, I am not. I I remember being in the ocean, like some kind of aquatic being. Oh, uh, I remember flying. I remember all these different things. But I, these were sentient beings. They were conscious. They were intelligent, but not always human. So. 
Huh. Wow. It's a, it's a <laughs> fascinating subject. Um, it is. Okay. We're going to kind of go round robin here. So I'll start with a question and then we'll um, have everybody ask you questions and ask each other questions. And But uh, just to say, I have a lot of past life memories and I have many as a human being. I have, when I was very, very young, I'd say under, under, under three, I kept dreaming about falling to my death. And I was, um, I call it the storming of the Bastille <laughs> incarnation. I was male. I was running from some troops. I went into what I believe was the Bastille. I ran to the top level. I was trapped. There were guards around me. And there was a character I called Nemesis. And he was coming up with me to sword fight me or, or whatever we were doing. And I, I was very athletic. So I, I leapt up onto the, the banister and I was kind of dancing around. I couldn't kill him. I just didn't have it in me to kill him. But he, he was he was floppy, and there was a dozen times I could have killed him. So I, I went, well, I'm going to wear out here, and they're going to just capture me, and then they'll torture me. So I decided to leap towards this tapestry and try to, you know, escape that way. But as I was going down, uh, I decided I don't want to hit the ground. <laughs> That'll hurt. So I left, and as I left my form, I encountered uh, two of my friends. One was my beloved female and my best friend male. And we, we, we all start laughing because we had all been killed by these troops. And, and we said, wow, that was an incredible life. It was like, what a wild ride. I can't believe what we just did. So we laughed and went on the other side. That was, and I kept having that dream from age about two or three till I was uh, in my 20s uh, before I stopped having it. And then when I was in my 40s, I met the man who was my best friend. And then the rest of the um, the story emerged from my subconscious. So I've had some powerful experiences. I can't prove any of it, but um, and I've been hypnosed and regressed to many, many different incarnations. It's fascinating stuff. <laughs> I just have I just have proof of one of one past life, and that's it. Well, I mean, at least uh -huh. one that I'm consciously aware of. Which was quite interesting. I think we spoke with this uh, um, Elizabeth April when we interviewed her. Okay, um, go ahead, new audience. Yes. So she's the one who discovered for me, she told me that I, I had a past life in ancient Egypt, yet I was not human. I was a reptilian general. And I had a lot oh. of important things that I was, that I was doing back then. Um, and I ended up working with the uh, with the Galactic Federation, and I was actually one of the ones responsible for putting the reptilians the reptilians back underground. Um, but you know, I, I didn't really believe the story until I uh, was speaking to a friend of mine who channels with a tall white. Um, her name's Dee Dee, and I asked Dee Dee if this was true, and her response to me was, "Yes, it's true. Yet I'm not authorized to talk about it because it involves someone else." I'm like, is that, and that was her answer. So it was, it was, it was verified. Yeah. And Sasha, do you have any past lives you remembered? Uh, oh, sure. Uh, I, I uh, am a certified past life therapist. I studied with Roger Wilker, the guy that wrote Other Lives, Other Selves. And so I've done this uh, an awful lot. But the one that was most dramatic uh, for me is uh, I was living in a, a shuttle. And it's a, a little uh, shanty town that uh, my ancestors lived in, uh, in what's now uh, Belarus. And um, uh, the uh, I was really upset with the other people in the village. I, I was I was a young guy, 
uh, because I thought it, the Russians were fun. They, I liked the way they danced. I wanted, I thought we should be friends with them because they lived right, you know, uh, nearby. They're, you know, it's poor people like us too, and uh, nobody would listen to me. And so pretty soon, you know, it's time for the pogrom, and here comes the goddamn Cossacks. Uh, but I knew it was going to happen, so I took my wife and daughter, and we were escaping over the mountains. I could hear people uh, being uh, hassled and killed and taken away. Uh, the way the, Cos the Cossacks uh, around this time actually stole all the ten-year-old children to make them uh, imperial guards. Anyway, I'm crossing the mountain, and this great big bear came out, and it was just me and my wife and my kid, and I, and I knew I didn't have a chance. We didn't have a chance against this bear, but I, I took two staves and told them to keep going, and it was an altruistic suicide. I, I died um, in, in that life. Uh, the bear killed me, uh, but I was able uh, in spirit to see that my uh, uh, wife and kid were taken, daughter were taken in, uh, and so forth. Uh, and that was the one that really um, seemed dramatic, and I had a lot of feelings for I, I've done this so much, uh, but most of my lives are, are mundane and ordinary people, because that's, and that's who I am now. I'm a very ordinary person. <laughs> You're nothing but ordinary, honey, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what about you, Betsy? Any, well, any of your past lives stand down? Um, well, I remember that I knew Mark Twain somehow, and... I, I think I was a friend or maybe a family member. I know that any time that I've ever read anything about him, I get very emotional, but I knew certain things about him. I, I knew that he was fascinated with science <clears throat> and he was really into, um, into uh, time machines and, and um, time jumping. And, and uh, his book about... Um, number 44 the mysterious stranger it might have been about time travel um it's kind of you know it's it's kind of an obscure type of book uh, not too many people know about it but i feel that i knew him um i remember past life in egypt i i remember catacombs crawling through catacombs and i I remember seeing um, some of the huge statues, so I know I was there. I remember a past life as a pioneer going across the country and uh, being attacked by Indians. I was actually a Native American in another lifetime, so I remember those. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. That's, that's all I remember, just bits and pieces. Yeah, like it's it's interesting. You'll find yourself drawn to something like reading Mark mm -hmm. Twain or um, right. a certain period in time. I remember I, I was watching the the um, back in the seventies. There was a uh, the, the um, Six Wives of Henry the Eighth. It was a PBS series, and I just started bawling when they they came to the. Um, fifth wife <laughs> and it was like it was personal and I, and I was like shocked I go what why am I so you know emotionally so anyway then years went by and I was um in a, in a meditation class and we met once a week and we did like a three-hour meditation and then part of the practice was every every day at the same time you have to meditate for 15 minutes so I I did this wow. whole practice and and when I uh, and I was just 
shocked one night. I, I remembered like six, seven past lives. And one of them was uh, this fifth wife of Henry VIII. And I, I can't prove anything, but it's like I was I was there. I was getting my head chopped off. It was oh my gosh. so real. Wow. You know, I, I, I knew what it was like having sex with Henry, and it wasn't going to work. He was. Was uh, sterile, or you know, he couldn't, you know, couldn't get it up. So I, I took a lover, which was his bastard son, and I, I rationalized. I said, "Well, at least if I get pregnant, he won't kill me, and this will be his bloodline. You know, it's of the royal blood." So I, I, all this detail, and I woke up and I was like, "Oh my god, is that true?" Oh, uh, anyway, so it that's was, pretty um, amazing. I yeah. pondered all my life. Yeah. But you don't want to be you know, uh, famous because people go, oh, you're just making it up. But it's like, maybe, you know, some people are famous, like the, the woman you interviewed in L.A. So go ahead, Tom. Yeah. Oh, just I, I find it interesting. We could even do it now and the radio audience could do it, too. If you think about your spirit going around and around the, this, the globe uh, and see if there's any place that you feel attracted to or repelled by. Uh, and uh, if there is such a place, that you, you choose one of them, and you, you can even start by seeing feet, and then the rest of the body, and then imagining you're in it, and something's about to happen. Actually, and you can right, it's a critical right. incident yeah. it, that, will, uh, that somehow has given you a script that's still affecting you. Uh, I won't tell you what all happens, but uh, take that little script and uh, just see if, if you have some flash with it anyhow. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good point because uh, I've always felt like like Egypt is feels home to me. Like that feels like home. I, I, it's hard to explain. But the whole thing you described about seeing your feet. Um, Mark Sorensen took me on a past life progression to my 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 planet of, of origin, and that was actually the first thing he he described is like met, like looking at your feet, right? And when mm-hmm. I was in this state, I didn't have feet. I was this ethereal energy body. I didn't even have feet. I just had <laughs> you know, like orange, orange, like energy. And I was on a Where's blue crystal planet. Uh, yeah, I was on a blue crystal planet. It was a planet that was like nothing but crystal. And um, uh-huh. the, the sun, the way that the way the sun was, it was like I was pretty much always sunset. And I just remember hearing this this energy, like the, these crystals were speaking. The whole place is like covered in blue crystals with white, and you know, tops to them and stuff. And the energy there was incredible. Wow. So Betsy, what else should we know about your book Deja Vu? What are some of the critical things that uh, our listeners well, should know about your book? One of the most incredible stories of reincarnation was about Dorothy Eady, who became known as Om Seti. She later became uh, an Egyptologist, but what's really interesting about her is um, she recalled a past life in ancient Egypt 3,000 years ago when she was a high priestess, and she fell in love with Seti I, um, and he was the pharaoh from the 19th dynasty and father of Ramses the Great. And she, what's really strange is, um, she was born in England in 1904. And she recalled that she 
um, well, this is before she recalled everything, but she had a near-death experience. She fell down a flight of stairs, and she was pronounced dead by the family physician. She wasn't moving. She wasn't breathing, and her parents were just beside themselves. They were devastated, and within hours, she came alive again, but she wasn't the same person. She was totally different, and she oh. started telling them that they weren't her parents. Um, She said that wasn't her home in England. And uh, the first time she saw photographs of Egypt, her father brought home a book. I think it was like uh, Encyclopedia. She saw the photos and she just went crazy. And then the next time um, her parents took her to the Museum of Antiquities in London. She saw some of the Egyptian exhibits and she saw the actual mummy of Seti and she ran to oh. it and she hugged the bottom of it and she they tried to get her away from it. She refused to go. She was screaming and crying and don't take me away. And eventually, as she got older, she did move to Cairo. She married an Egyptian man. She had a child, uh, but she gave up the child to her husband. She got a divorce. And what's really strange is that Seti became... um, began visiting her, his astral form. And the first time she saw him was when she was around 14, 15, and he appeared as he did when he died as a mummy, and it scared her. But um, slowly he was able to manifest into what he actually looked like. And he began telling her incredible stories. And they actually had this love affair again. I guess when she was a high priestess, she fell in love with him. And they um, had an affair, which was a big no-no for a priestess. They were supposed to stay virgins. And she committed suicide. So she was not able to reincarnate for 3,000 years because of what she did. And he searched the whole universe the whole universe looking for her until he found her and what a love story right <laughs> 3000 year yeah. love story and so when she she started studying about um all kinds of things about Egypt she started learning uh the hieroglyphs she could read them and she worked for the department of antiquities and what's really strange is that uh, at night sometimes people would see this dark figure standing over her and that was seti Um, he would come and visit her and she learned how to astral project she could actually go with him different places and when she um went to she started working in abydos and that's where the great temple was that seti built in the osirian temple which is very sacred and there was just incredible things she told egyptologists that there had she kept saying well where are the gardens here there were beautiful beautiful gardens and they said well there's no gardens there was never any gardens here and she said yes there was trees there was plants there was flowers and and i guess years later they dug up the some of the area in there and they discovered roots of trees 
But what's amazing wow. about her is she knew Egyptian magic, and a lot of the villagers at the time were really frightened of her. They, they respected her, but she had this healing ability. And she also found that the Assyrian water, which is so sacred at the time, was healing. I guess it would sparkle at the time. And many people went there. She had certain ailments that actually healed her. And, and people that were sick would go there. But I guess the waters have become so muddied and polluted through the years that it's no longer like that. But here's what the real kicker. <laughs> I love this story. Um, Seti said that he was able to go outside astral project to other places in the universe. And he went to this place, he said it was so frightening and so terrifying that he said it was there was this great civilization there. He saw this sparkling type of particles in this great big beautiful city and there were um, all kinds of flying machines. Um, there were people, but they were all dead. They were all dead. He said they oh. wore tunics. They wore um, some kind of leggings. They were all bald. Nobody had hair. There was children. And everybody was just like they were frozen in time. They were all dead. And there were they're strange-looking animals. He said that uh, some of the animals had plants in their their mouths, which she said reminded her of the mammoths when they instantly died in Siberia with plants in their mouth. And he, when he returned, the council told him, and, and the council sounds like they are highly evolved beings, they told him never to go outside the earth, that humans are supposed to stay on earth, that those are evil worlds and never to visit there again so i thought that was really interesting are we not supposed to go to other worlds are we quarantined oh. here we are. <laughs> and you know what another thing that i thought was he was describing mars because i know that a great civilization lived on mars and who knows that might have been the martians right right well, the, the Anunnaki has a story of civilizations on Mars. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what you know, Dr. Lesson, about Mars? And then, Kevin. Oh, okay, you, yeah. When, when the uh, Lyrans. On Mars. What do you know? Okay, so when, when the Lyrans. Uh, uh, were attacked by the Dracos and they spread various places. They came to two places in the Solaris system um, to Maldek, which was a big planet uh, between Mars and Jupiter, and uh, to Mars itself, which was like uh, Earth was before we spoiled it. And um, uh, and the uh, Dracos, in the meantime, pursuing him because they had plans for this solar system. Uh, they got a hollowed out uh, comet, which was really a, a, a an asteroid inside. So it entered the system and it was coming right at Maldek. And the Maldekans asked, uh, who were Lyrans like like the Martians, said, "Can we go in? Can we take shelter with you on Mars? So this thing is coming after us." And they, they had been quarreling, but the Martians said, well, you're humans, too. We understand about the Dracos. You can come uh, be with us uh, in our shelter. And so uh, the uh, uh, Death Star, Death Commodus, uh, went past Maldek, and they blew it up with their weapons, and it became the Kuiper uh, belt of asteroids. And it proceeded on to Mars, and when it got to Mars, it 
sucked off the surface uh, water, most of it, and most of the surface air, but the uh, Maldecans um, and the Martians were okay. Uh, and uh, later on, uh, the, you know, this uh, death planet went past Earth and sucked off the water. Earth was completely water covered. Then it sucked enough so the two planets, Lemuria and uh, uh, Atlantis, rose. And then this death planet became Venus. The, the uh, Dracos came out, built seven cities. They made a, a stationary moon from which they were to invade Earth. They brought their beef with them. They, that was the dinos, the dinosaurs. And they settled the Moria. But anyway, I'm going way beyond what your uh, question yes. was. So there was definitely a series of civilizations on Mars. The, the ex-king of uh, 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 Nibiru, Alalu, after he bit off uh, his rival's manhood, um, was uh, exiled to die on Mars. But he, And so they built the uh, Sindonia um, statue facing Earth with his helmet, his eagle helmet pulled back. And they had a whole big base there of transshipping the gold from Earth through Mars on up to Nibiru. Uh, and, you know, obviously there was thermonuclear exchanges. And right until modern days, there's, there's uh, reports from people we've interviewed of huge structures all over Mars. There's all kinds of different extraterrestrials and corporate um, uh, personnel and slaves and Germans, Nazis, uh, and all kinds of things happening on Mars. It, it's a big place. <laughs> and we're coming up on our break. Uh, Kevin, real quick, what do you know about Mars? Because you call your group pyramids on Mars. Yeah, well, I, um, you know, I, I study, you know, a lot of, you know, like the Cydonia region quite a bit. But um, the one thing that, 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 that I learned most about recently is in regards to, uh, I forget the name of the guy who's a scientist who's actually come out now and, uh, and, um, about these two nuclear d d explosions that have been, um, uh, you know, um, verified on on Mars, this um, this uh, this signature, this uh, there's a um, some kind of signature marker um, of uh, I forget what isotope it is, but basically it's it's a, it's a Mars signature that they have found. They found these and they found it oh. on Earth as well. It's but this guy who did it, is that what it is? Yeah. It's yeah, the, 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 uh, the, uh, where there's been a, where where there's been a nuclear exchange, the rocks are crystallized uh, and, and turn into this stuff like the Sinai and Hiroshima and Nagasaki were covered with these things. Yeah, and there was some kind of nuclear isotope. I can't remember which one it is, but um, it's an isotope that's been uh, d discovered on Mars, and it's a signature for Mars. Of, of this, you know, that there was a nuclear, these nuclear explosions that took place. And there's been at least two that were massive that, that, um, that pretty much, you know, destroyed both, both the planet. I forget the name of the guy who actually came out and who's released this information, but it was the, actually the Ministry of Defense that actually authorized him to go public with this information, which is what I find even more fascinating. It's like they're just disclosing. It's like, you know, releasing information in the public. So, Betsy, you've written a number of books, and we're going on our break in about two minutes, but uh, what what else would you like to say about this book, and then what other book would, or books would you like to cover during the second half of the show? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Um, well, um, there's just a lot of great stories in there. Um, 
in, including, um, like I said, Ruth Montgomery. I talk about walk-ins, and perhaps Om Seti was a yes. walk-in. She had a near-death experience, and a lot of people don't know what walk-ins are, but it's not possession. It's kind of spirits are exchanging souls, um, or, um, you know, like a soul on the other side wants to inhabit a physical body and it's really a mutual agreement on a subconscious level to allow another soul to enter their body and finish their mission on life and and i knew someone that claimed that they were a walk-in and they said that after a near-death experience um she felt that her parents weren't her parents, and there was just a lot of strange things. Um, she didn't want to be around her friends anymore. She totally changed. I've heard of that before, and I, I read the books with by Ruth Montgomery back in the 80s. Um, so we'll have to cover that when we come back, and then anything else that uh, comes to mind. Okay, and, uh, sounds great. You're, you have so many books. How many books do you have now? Oh, I think, it's about, I think there's about 11 of them now. <laughs> about 11 books now. Yeah, I think I met you uh -huh. when you had three or four. You've been very yeah. busy. That's right. Yeah. It has been and, crazy. Um, there's our cue. Uh, we're taking a commercial break. We'll be back in about five minutes. Thank you. Hola. things were not quite right, that everything was just ever so slightly askew. Do you have, to paraphrase Morpheus, a splinter in your mind? If you're interested in hearing the latest information about UFOs, the paranormal, ancient cultures and structures, monatomic elements, longevity, fantastic discoveries in science, download it to your brain, then tune in to us. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Mackie. And we are Shiny Side Out, Sundays, 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern. See you then. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Join me weekdays for my new show, Tell Chris Joe. It's going to be a problem show brought to you live from Kensington. Thursdays, I'm dealing with hot topics, heated debate, what's new around the world, and ring-ins to discuss listeners' problems and offering considered and heartfelt solutions. So join me, Chris Hart, for Tell Chris Joe. Stop what you're doing, grab a cup of tea, and coming live from Kensington. Relax, let me entertain you with a coffee bar online. Listeners, very personal problems. So that's Thursdays, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, revolutionradiofreedomslips.com. 
see you there. It's going to be lots of fun. Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? Is survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over 3 gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a megavirus or a computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? Family records? Addresses? phone numbers we'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com yes that's www.freedomslips.com click the banner on the homepage for the emp proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer so folks keep your data safe for your peace of mind revolution radio freedomslips.com you don't need to expect us we're already here looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can find us right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on Twitter at spacedoutradio, and on Facebook at spacedoutradio show. Spaced Out Radio, it's a night of talk and interaction. Are you experienced? The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha and welcome back to Stargate to the Cosmos on Revolution Radio. And I'm your host, Jenna Carolesson, with Dr. Sasha Alex Lissman and Kevin Estrella, my co-host and producer, Thomas Becker, and my guest, Betsy Lewis. But before we get back to our show, I'd like to remind everybody to please, 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 pretty please, go over and make a donation Go to revolution.radio's button or freedomslips.com. There's a button to make your donation. And whenever you donate, we will greatly appreciate. A mad painter, where are we in our goals for this uh, month? We have 21.39 and we need 26.50. We're doing pretty good. We need about 80 to, to $100 a day to fill out the month. And uh, I want to thank everybody who has already donated. Thank you. Yes, thank you. 
So we have another hour approximately, and uh, we're going to go round table here. Um, let me start with uh, Sasha. Uh, what do you hope to talk about in the next hour? I want to hear about the rest of but Betsy's uh, rest of your books, Betsy. <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't know if we can cover can't, all of them here. But, can't, um, can't, can't. Well, um, uh, let me just ask Kevin real quick, and then we'll we'll choose something. So, Kevin, what would you like to? What direction uh, would you like to go? In? Did you get to see the post with her books, or you aren't near your computer? I saw briefly before the show. I'd like to hear the same thing okay. actually. Okay, great. So, Betsy, the ball's in your court. Uh, what uh, right. what do you feel is incomplete about the Deja Vu book, and then where do you want to go next? And we'll okay, be well, I'll, I'll just wrap you. up the Deja Vu book. And uh, there's a story about my step-uncle, William Peter Blatty, that wrote The Exorcist, and how he believed in reincarnation, and all the supernatural things that happened to him during the filming of The Exorcist. Um, and um, when his mother died, things started happening, phones were lifting off the cradle, and um, there were experiments with reel-to-reel -reel tapes, that's uh, electronic voice phenomenon. And when his son died, suddenly, he was only 19 years old at the time, uh, strange things started happening in his Washington, D.C. house. The lights started flickering off and on, and there was just other weird things. So there's that in there. Um, I answer a lot of questions from my spirit guides about reincarnation, about death, about suicide. So I, I think there's just some incredible things. Also, a very famous psychic also talks about these different things and what it's like on the afterlife, the other side. He was actually John Wayne's uh, psychic for many years before oh. he passed away. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty interesting. And if you did, want to talk did he about... Did contact John Wayne? Uh, big part. Has he contacted John Wayne? Has he contacted John Wayne? Well, no, he, Has he John passed Wayne contacted away. Him? No, uh, oh, actually, okay. he passed away many, many years ago. Armand Marcotte. Um, but no, he passed away many years ago. But he was quite famous for a while in Los Angeles. Uh, so he, he gives a lot of different information about the other side. And, and I also included Seth material, which a lot of people don't know was actually channeled by Jane Roberts and some of the most incredible information you'll ever read about the reality of nature. Yeah, I had a, a gentleman from upstate New York that studied with Jane Roberts, went to her weekly group uh, all through, I guess it was the 60s and 70s or something, or however often. And so he came on, and it was just, it blew my mind. I, I When I was reading the Seth stuff back in the, you know, the 70s or 80s, when right. I was holding the book, right. I couldn't get past the, the coughing. <laughs> they literally translated it, and Jane coughed, and I, I went, oh, come I on. Know. I know, yeah. <laughs> you have to read the book. So, <laughs> I know, I couldn't get past the coughing. It was making me want to cough. <laughs> anyway, it was weird. Um, okay, I, so... I guess I didn't talk to you. Uh, the last time yeah. that I talked to you, I don't... Did I talk about my book, uh, Ancient Serpent Gods, and my theory about... Um, I, I don't know if we ever... I think I... What year was that published? Uh, that was, was that published... Um, let's see. I was on Coast to Coast uh, this last April about it. And okay. it was 
Yeah. What would you like to share uh, about that? Well, um, it's really interesting because George Norrie never reads people's books. You know, he gets questions oh. like you guys. And what he said on air just blew me away. He said, ancient serpent gods is based on one of the most amazing, astounding theories I've ever heard. Now, <laughs> and that just blew me away. I, I was really honored that he said that about the book because it is quite different. There, there's no other theory out there about you know, what I believe are uh, the reptilian aliens and where they came from. Well, tell us about that. Where, who are, in your, in your um, theory, who are the reptilian aliens and where do they well, come from? Well, when you think about it, every civilization around the world worshipped serpents, right? No matter where you go, China, we know, um, Asia, there's serpent gods, Egypt, serpent gods, Native Americans, serpent gods, uh, South America, serpent gods. Uh, but who were these serpent gods, the reptilians? Uh, where did they come from? So, you know, there's just so much evidence that um, actually reptilian dinosaurs may have evolved. I believe, my theory is, and I know someone else that has the same theory, um, that said that a certain species of dinosaur became so intelligent. Now, dinosaurs were intelligent anyway, but somehow they evolved, um, they became uh, it, more intelligent than we had. They had close to 300 million years to evolve compared to what humans had. We only supposedly had 200,000 years to evolve, which I don't believe. I think that's totally erroneous. Right. But, but um, what's really interesting is there, they, you know, there. This dinosaur, I, you know, I, I gave one kind of dinosaur, the Trudon, which I believe might have actually been one of those that turned into the reptilians and you know how many people have actually described reptilian beings that they were abducted by these aliens and why did these aliens always go into the water or they emerge from the water why are they right here uh, we've heard stories of people vanishing around dulce new mexico um you know and the reptilians that live down below there there's just so many compelling things about it so um i think they do exist um and i give so many different examples of of people that have talked about it and and what you know they have found about scientists have found about the dinosaurs that existed back then, they weren't slow moving like we believe that they were cold blooded. Some were warm blooded. They were very intelligent and they did move fast. Uh, so, you know, when you think about it, maybe something 65 million years ago didn't destroy all the dinosaurs like we've been told that maybe, you know, like the Loch Ness monster uh, could be some kind of dinosaur that survived through the ages. I, I'm not saying that it's that old, but you know, the species somehow, you know, continued on, you know, but um, I think, I think there's just a lot of evidence for it. And the people that have disappeared, you know, in, in places 
in the southwest. I think a lot of these aliens exist, and I think the little greys are actually their their kind of um, workers or or slaves, if you want to call that. Um, don't you think? I, you know, I, I think the reptilians well, are the intelligence. This opens a lot for discussion for this the second hour. Uh, and I know I, I can I can hear I can feel both Kevin and, and Sasha wanting to say things about the reptilian. But let me just say this: Did you ever wonder where they got the flea stacks in the land of the lost? <laughs> you know, they came up from underground, right? So what we have. Um, you know, found and discovered in our research, which includes, you know, all kinds of directions where information comes to us from experiencers, contactees, uh, secret space program people, research into the, uh, you know, ancient aliens. Out of, now, apparently there's a, a part of, of the reptilian culture which has, which is older than the human culture, and they are underground. And they go underground because it ties in with the Anunnaki story. Uh, you know, the cycle where the mirror comes in and the surface is uh, uninhabitable. So they've gone underground, they stay underground, and they're pissed. They come up and they go, wait, this was our planet. Now we've got all these humans all over the place. So uh, there's even an interview of, of a, one of the underground reptilians. It's, a, it's on um, what do you call it? Uh, YouTube. I listened to it and they. It's a very detailed, like, five or six-hour story about this reptilian that's describing, you know, their culture and everything. So we have Lacerda. all these stories of underground Yeah, Lacerda? Cultures. Are you talking about Lacerda? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Yeah. Amazing interview. Yeah, amazing, it's an amazing interview. interview. It really makes you think. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the Lacerda interview, the female reptilian. Yes, it's incredible. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that one again. And then, of course, uh, Admiral Byrd, when he went down... Uh, of course. The, the Hollow Earth. Earth. That's, that's in my book, forces. too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's I in my book. I personally had some interactions with a reptilian, or two or three. Uh, uh, and then, so I'm going to pass it. You want to go first, Kevin? Uh, what do you know about sure. the reptilians? Uh, here sure, here? well, actually... This um, yeah, what what you were saying, Janet, is correct. I mean, uh, uh, the reptilians. There was a, a a race of reptilians back in the, the dinosaur age that you know that um, did uh, evolve much faster and became the reptilian race you know that was here on Earth before humans. Um, you know, and that's why when uh, when our friend uh, Misha Johnson was uh, you know at that MyLab military base and she was being escorted by a reptilian and she asked him straight out, you know, why are you here on Earth? And he just turned to her and said, "This isn't this is this is not your planet. This is our planet, you know." Right. But uh, there's, a, there's a long past, long history in regards to you know what happened with the reptilians and wars that broke out and and nuclear you know, destruction and you know the annihilation of the dinosaurs and many reptilians that had to leave the Earth because the Earth was no longer um, um, a, a place to live, and they end up being relocated to other areas of the galaxy. Um, it's it's a long, complicated history. It really is. Yes, <laughs> Sasha, what would you like to add? Okay, yeah, well, from my perspective, the narrative is after the, that I was uh, beginning is after the moon was uh, uh, put in place, the reptilians settled the Muria, which was a a, a, a really nice 
continent. Uh, it's you know, Hawaii uh, and uh, uh, is a mountaintop of this continent that is no longer uh, uh, there. But uh, so uh, and they had a million years, and they and the dinosaurs were there that they brought with them were their were their their beef, what they they ate, and uh, the. Uh, in the meantime, the Illyrians had organized uh, the, the Federation, Galactic Federation, and they set the Atlans down on Atlantis, the other uh, uh, continent, and they also took the Maldecans who had taken shelter on, in Mars uh, to the Gobi Desert. But in any case, they were trying to stop the uh, the, the Dracos and the dinosaurs. They just shot them with their with their uh, laser weapons and uh, and the. Uh, the Dracos, uh, basically, there was this ongoing war for many, many hundreds of thousands of years. The Dracos went underground. The Atlant Atlanteans uh, developed uh, machines to tell where they were burrowing and what they were doing and, try and could kill them from the top. And finally, the Andromedans called a council, called, called the Council of Hatona, uh, where it was agreed that they would make proto uh, beings uh, that would be some kind of a combination and, and stop these incessant wars. And so that uh, 12 humanoid groups and one reptilian group contributed, and the reptilians contributed the brainstem uh, genetics. Each in their own area tried to develop their proto-being uh, uh, to be perfected and, and so forth. And it goes on and on like this, but eventually the Atlanteans uh, even sunk themselves. And uh, what we find, from my perspective, is that Macroevolution is uh, not really the case on uh, uh, planet Earth. Most of the beings here are were uh, came here, or they were seeded here on purpose or made genetically, uh, and uh, and rather than uh, for me anyway, thinking about uh, some some reptile evolved into a highly uh, developed uh, being. These beings were here, and what they say about their themselves from the interviews we've got and the stuff we've read is that the princess that runs, that is the head of this, the reptilians on Earth, is free of the Draco Empire. And many of the Dracos who live in Agartha and, uh, and have, uh, uh, one of them assisted Onizuka and Richards in the Dulce uh, 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 rescue and so forth. So that, that happened. And uh, my Navajo friends actually tell me that when they first settled their area, where they are now, there was a snake that kept eating uh, people and they made a deal with the snake that they would uh, give the firstborn of this particular clan uh, each generation to the snake if it would just stay uh, at its place and not come up and keep eating people. So we get stories like that. And then, we, of course, we have the story of Nancy Tremaine and others who have um, had uh, loving relationships, ongoing relationships with, uh, uh, with, with reptilians. And so the, the idea of reptilian being some kind of an evil enemy is a terribly mistaken. There's a, a variety of reptilian uh, beings, and the ones that are in Agartha, um, like all the people uh, in Agartha, are under the uh, the, Bodland, the king of Bodland, and they're 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 peaceful, and they're they uh, want the planet to evolve too. That was the whole purpose of the Council of Hatona, from my limited perspective. And I back have my own Betsy. connection to the reptilians, too. Okay, you go next, Kevin, then back to Betsy. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I just think I have my own connection to the reptilians, too. I mean, uh, um, um, from all the pieces I've been putting together, you know, learning about my past history in ancient Egypt, but also the fact that um, Nancy Tremaine and I have this crazy symbiotic 
quantum consciousness entanglement that's going on. Um, and I think it honestly has to do with with, uh, with the connection to with 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 Mister and the reptilians. Um, she and I have these crazy synchronicities that happen, but there's even more things that have happened even recently. Because I I went to the Ozark UFO conference last weekend to see Nancy Tremaine's presentation, and it was the most uh-huh. incredible. Oh my God, this thing is going to go. It's going to. She's going to get a, a a movie deal out of it. It, I, it was a standing ovation to a one-and-a-half-hour presentation. You could hear a pin drop. No one made a sound the entire time of the presentation, and everybody was in tears the entire presentation. It was the most emotional presentation I ever saw in my life. It was incredible. Oh. But um, what she and I discovered, because uh, she had me as her guest for the dinner, and she's looking at me, and she says, Kevin, you have the same color eyes as I do. Your eyes are green. Oh. I'm like, yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Nancy, because my eyes have always been hazel, but around the UFO conference last year that you and I attended, my eyes turned green. She said, funny, mine did too at that time. <laughs> well, were her, what color eyes were hers? Hers were like, hers were like, like kind of hazel blue. Her eyes turned green too last year at the same time as mine did. And I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah. That would be interesting research. Think, like, My mother had green eyes, and when I went the last time I saw her before she died, her eyes had turned bright blue, and I have blue eyes. So, and then we couldn't figure out like why did they suddenly turn bright blue when they had been green? Uh, she was like seventy six years old. Seventy six years she had green eyes. So, there there's something that uh, makes that change, but I don't know if anybody's ever researched it. I'll have to look that up. But, yeah, maybe some kind of, uh, who knows? Who knows what may make that happen? Interesting. So I want to add, um, uh, if you're finished, are you finished, Kevin? So you. Oh, yeah. You so the, the, also with the reptilians, her- my other connection to the reptilians is uh, the fact that I uh, became a telepathic translator for Alpha Dracody at the Alien Cosmic Expo in Toronto last year. And I actually felt it. I actually felt his physical presence inside me. I felt I, I also I grew right. wings. My shoulder blades went out crazy, and my voice dropped. Nobody, it was they said, it was, Kevin, that wasn't you speaking. That was somebody else. I channeled this like you know, thirteen yeah. foot, sixteen foot uh, alpha draconian with wings. Yeah, yeah and then I had an experience uh, where I was uh, on Johnston Atoll, which is a a military base. Uh, it's supposed to be quote unquote closed <laughs> and uh, it's still active, but I was there when it was active. Um, in uh, 97, uh, was, no, it was December of 96, they uh, took me to the underground facility and there was this huge uh, gathering of over a thousand uh, humanoid beings and they, uh, they directed me down to the uh, inner cavern and there was a giant dragon, like huge, full-on size yeah. of a, oh, uh, it was just, it was just like the biggest one. Like um, uh, in Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the, the Frodo had to encounter that side dragon. It was yeah. like, whoa. But she was very gentle and she projected herself down to my size. Or she, she remained in her size. She sent her consciousness down into an avatar, which she created with her mind, to stand before me so we could have a conversation because we're equals. 
it's not a size thing. So, you know, we step on an ant, you know, <laughs> at some level, it's like, yeah, it's real easy to, to think of things that are real small in comparison to you, that they're less than. But consciousness is consciousness, and it doesn't matter what size. So to show respect for the consciousness within both of us, she made herself small so we could talk. Um, and we were witnessed by over a thousand beings, and it was all telepathic, so everybody knew everything. Wow. So, yeah. So our dinosaurs, good or bad, and dragons, or reptiles, I think it's very complicated, just like humans. We have uh, all the variations on the theme. Back to you, Betsy. Let's see if anybody else has any more comments before we pass it back to Betsy. You need to you need to judge the individual, not the not the you know the blanket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. D- don't judge a re- reptilian by its face. Is that it? <laughs> no, judge them by yeah. who they are. By the it's all it's all a matter of scale. Ah, very good. That's good, Sasha. Good one. (laughs) I've got a great story to tell you, and um, it's a YouTube video that's probably been watched, I don't know, probably over a million times, but it's Lisa's story, hybrid story, and what's really interesting, um, she is French-speaking, and she speaks very little English. So uh, Luigi, who told the story, she was at some convention at the time when he's telling her story, but uh, she stands six foot three, has blonde hair and fey pale green eyes, and she's really different. Um, But her story began in 1975 before her birth when her mother was eight months pregnant in St. Jerome, Quebec. And one day her mom decided to rest for a while, feeling a little tired. And suddenly she felt paralyzed on her bed as two tiny gray aliens entered her bedroom. I guess they actually came through the wall. Uh, They spoke to her telepathically and one said, she's not ready yet. And the other one said, she's ready. And Lisa's mom was frightened, of course, and told them to leave her alone, that her other children were there, and they vanished soon after. But one month later, Lisa's mom was at the hospital giving birth, and she had gone to her her doctor for checkups, and everything looked normal until that day. She gave birth to a healthy boy, but within minutes, the nurse went screaming to the doctor and returned to the room and said, um, you know, there was another baby on the way. There's a twin. And he says, oh, no, that's impossible. There's no way. And that's when Lisa was born. So uh, the doctor was stunned, of course. He couldn't believe it that there was another one. But many years later, when Lisa was a teenager, her mom was visited by a tall human-looking alien. And the alien had red hair and wore a type white suit um, with a doctor's type of coat on top. And what caught my attention about this story was the insignia on the coat. It was a coiled snake. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? But it goes on. Um, She was taken to a room um, where um, she was asked, she asked the alien what his name was, and he said, John. 
And she thought he meant like jock or something, you know, but no, he said John. And the room felt like a pharmacy with all these vials there. And the alien said um, they had all the medicine in the the whole universe that could cure humanity, but we're not going to give it to you because you are not supposed to be sick, is what he told her. And then years oh. later, Lisa had experienced these recurring really weird dreams. One vision, she became a lizard and felt the ground beneath her feet. And um, although she has a pretty much normal life, she's very intuitive. And this Luigi actually conducts alien abductee experiencer meetings in northern Quebec. And one of his meetings, Lisa was there and she met Sarah for the first time, who is from the UK. And although they had never met before, somehow they sensed an instant recognition as if they'd been long lost friends. And after meeting Lisa, uh, Lisa was given a crystal um, by a friend and Sarah took the crystal and said, uh, please ask Lisa if her blood type is O negative. And Lisa answered in French, I am O negative and Sarah said she knew it that and she said so am I I guess all these people out there that are O negative are hybrids you know part reptilian or whatever they are but um, they have O negative blood which is very unusual it has some very strange uh, things about I it, it. RH negative yeah it, it is RH negative negative and um it's it's passed down through parents genes but um it you have a problem if you get pregnant if you have rho negative uh it can cause problems um with the fetus um sometimes there has to be a transfusion so there it's really a strange blood type so is she a, a hybrid she believes so yeah uh I have O negative blood, <laughs> but I've never had any children, so I didn't have to go through anything. But uh, that's interesting to bring that up. Wow. So if, if you have RHO negative blood, you might be reptilian or part reptilian or alien, even if it's not the reptilians who are there. That's kind of funny that um, the greys were involved and human looking. You know, a lot of people have described these uh, Nordic types or redheads, but uh, that's very strange. And why did he have a coiled snake on, on his, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Like he was, well, maybe he was a doctor, yeah. you know, kind of interesting, huh? I, is he human? I don't know, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, I, I'm okay with being part reptilian. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I like know, who I am. Uh, from my perspective, we're all partly uh, reptilian. Our brain stem is... Uh, one that has the all the characteristics, and actually the Council of Atona said that the brainstem uh, would be the reptilian part of us, uh, the proto-human. And what this means is that we are able to uh, fight to the death or run away. Mm -hmm. um, we That's don't right. have the, we don't have the empathy that uh, the Greys have, for example, the group mind. Uh, uh, we're, we have this. Uh, uh, 
we are quite different. And so that's a part of the hybridization program is to bring us some kind of a universal empathy like uh, Jesus is trying to teach. You're supposed to love everybody. Don't you understand? you got to feel everybody. And uh, it's it's like the, the reptilian part is what allows us to uh, it's 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 overdone. You need to center yourself between your survivor self and your uh, your higher and spiritual self, and you don't have to be one or the other. And that was the purpose of making humans. But we are so unique. The whole uh, you know all the other species are very very interested in us because we are such a diverse hybrid, and we're able. We have the this metagene, some of us do, and Janet probably does, and you probably do, Betsy, you, Kevin, I don't. But anyway, that you have some special <laughs> abilities to manifest by your uh, thoughts. Yeah, I definitely do. Well, <laughs> uh, they, from what I understand, the metagene is just the ability to uh, manifest. So I, I've always said I'm a manifester. I had a guest on, uh, were you on that show, Kevin? We had... Uh, Penny Bradley, anyway, I've done, I've done shows with Penny Bradley, and she's been, she's part of the Secret Space Program. But she says that the metagene, uh, part of the reasons why, you know, some of the extraterrestrials want to keep us repressed is because the, the metagene allows people who have figured out how to use it, uh, how to instantly create. So there's a, there's a delay. Most uh, humans can imagine something, image it, and then they bring it down into physicality through things like uh, writing about it or or drawing it and then maybe doing a model. But Tesla had the metagene and he could think of something and immediately go and it was perfect every time. So that's what they're afraid of. If uh, too many humans wake up to the realization they have this metagene and they start creating, there's nothing they can do about it to, to keep us into this uh, matrix where we're, where we're uh, you know, controlled. So that's what I learned about that. But um, can I jump in there for a minute? <laughs> yeah, you, your turn. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, you know, I, I started looking at the differences between humans and apes. You know, the great apes supposedly we evolved from, and um, apes um, are not known to develop certain cancers. Um, we um, humans are unique because we we are. We walk upright, um, and although apes walk on two legs for a short time, they are really, um, they only, you know, <laughs> they really don't want to. Um, they're arm swingers in the trees. Gorillas live mainly on the ground, but can climb large trees. And uh, it's interesting, we have 32 teeth like gorillas, but... Um, the ape jaw is rectangular and has large, prominent canine teeth. And the human humans don't have a chin. And apes, and apes, let's see, we do have a chin, and apes do not. And then humans um, have um, have faces that are vertical in profile due to the large cranium and small jaws. And our noses are narrow and not huge like the apes. And um, th there's just so many differences. Um, our, um, let's see, all the different things. There's just a million different things that are different about humans and apes. Um, and, and for example, you know, there are many species of apes, yet they can't intermingle 
with each other and produce offspring. Yet humans come in many different colors, shapes, sizes, and ethnic backgrounds and, we, and blood types, and we can mate with each other, which is really interesting, I think. And, it, you know, um, apes can't cry. They can't laugh. They can't express emotions like humans. Um, and I don't think you'll ever see an ape on a TV talk talent show singing um <laughs> that'll probably never happen um but there's just a lot of different things um our, our uh, genetics are totally different um so there's uh, uh let's see there are uh four main ape species and they have a number of chromosomes with apes they all have 24 pairs and humans have th 23 pairs of chromosomes so that's kind of interesting. And to say, you know, you know, I've never bought that humans were even linked to apes. I, I think that's incredible to say that. I, I think that, like Sasha was saying, that we're more related to reptilians than than anything. And it, it's kind of interesting that a lot of humans, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do because you guys know everything about all this, oh, but yes. a lot of humans are born with tails. Did oh, you know yeah. That? Yeah. And so where did that tail come they from? Is it reptilian? <laughs> yeah, eventually some of them fall off and some of them have to be removed. Well, they but cut them off a lot. We've, we've had clients and they, they get regressed and they, they go, oh, and they're very upset. They go, I had a tail and my parents cut them off. And they remember on oh the hypnosis that they had renewed. Yeah. renewed yeah. And they're upset. It's like, or I had six toes and, and six mm -hmm. fingers and they cut them off. And so there's a lot of, and see, our doctors, uh, we have people that are born that are, um, what do you call it, hermaphrodites. And they make decisions for these people when right. they're born. Right. Is sure. this going to be a boy or a girl? And they right. cut things off. They yeah. sew things up. Yeah, uh, it's pretty horrible. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if, if I, it, it, you know, if I may, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the evidence that you uh, cited is overwhelmingly, and it's quite consistent with what, what the uh, late, latest anthropology is that basically uh, we've forced been forced by our academics to put things in a Darwinian um, perspective of a slow evolution building on what it's what it's going to be and we obviously once you really examine the evidence did not evolve from tarsiers and lemurs and 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 apes they are that we were we were uh, brought here uh, and, by, and uh, breeded on purpose by extraterrestrials, and the apes are an, are uh, a totally different. Uh, they are they are uh, we are somewhat similar, but we are certainly not. What happened is they took all these bones, uh, like of um, uh, Australopithecines, and 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 they put them together as though they were humanoid but when you really look at the bones separately you see that that we are absolutely nothing like them and and same with even homo erectus or bigfoot's ancestor he has totally flat feet his hands come down to uh below his knees ours only come down to the thighs um the anunnaki uh so they uh, tell us 
deliberately took some ge genetics from Homo erectus, which was Bigfoot's ancestor, which is also a very intelligent species that's here on the planet, is still here for that matter, uh, and uh, as part of adapting us uh, to Earth. Uh, and uh, so just forget about macroevolution. Yeah, you have microevolution. Things get bigger horns or littler horns or this or that or the other thing. But that's different than a whole gen genera like we have. We are seated here. That's, uh, that seems overwhelmingly uh, the case. Yep, that's the case. Yeah, oh, actually, like there's, something, there's something actually I wanted to add. There's something, Janet, there was something you had said uh, about 10 minutes ago. Um, about about manifesting, about people who okay. have learned how to manifest. I have a very interesting story that I wanted to share with you um, of a friend, the friend who I stayed with when I was at Ozark, because she has all this crazy things happen at her place, okay? And she had an incident take place two days before I went to visit her. And it has a story we have to do with this CD that she listens to in her car. Okay, this, this, this CD is like, it's one of those... Uh, promotional CDs that they throw into like a beer case, you know, back in the nineties of like, it was like some kind of retro dance music. Okay. And, um, uh -huh. she had this one CD, which she listened to all the time in her car. It's completely scratched up. It's like to completely, you know, really scratched up. It's a bad case. Anyway, she accidentally broke the CD. Right. And then three days later, she was going through her, her CD case. She found a brand new one. That she never had before. Ooh. Brand new. This is a, we're talking about a <laughs> 1990s promotional CD from a from like an obscure one that you can't get anywhere. She found an, another one, brand new in her like oh, in her face. Goodness. Talk about manifestation. She yeah, no idea. so she's a major manifester. Well, when well, yeah. we have things like that happen here in Hawaii, we always go, well, the Menahonis did that, right? They bring things and they take things away and they bring it. But it might be people, you know, manifesting, especially in light of where we are in the, uh, you know, alignment with the galactic core, you know, we're into the, from the uh, Kali Yuga to the Sakta Yuga. So we're, we're accelerating and changing. So that'll bring us back to Betsy and all the books she's written. And what else? Yeah, your turn. What would you like to say? Oh, is it back to me again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, you know, I believe right now that many of us were Atlanteans and we've come back to get it right and stop destroying the earth. But I, I don't think we have really learned our lesson about destroying the earth. Back in Atlantis, we were highly evolved like we are now and the great mighty crystal destroyed the planet uh, started breaking up and here we are we've got all these huge earth changes taking now and I believe that um, you know a lot of the bad Atlanteans the the family of dark and the family of light are here and we're, there's kind of a battle a spiritual battle going on right now and what really worries me and you have to think about that if reincarnation is true and we do come back to learn lessons, <clears throat> just think that if we continue to destroy the earth and, you know, the water is toxic, we pollute the water, the oceans, and everything that we're doing, we're going to be the ones coming back and reincarnating. We're the ones that are going to have to deal with the mess that we've made. We've got to clean up our act or, you know, we're not going to have a planet and maybe 
what happened to Mars will happen to us. And it's kind of a, a lesson for us to think about that we can destroy our planet the way we continue at this. It's, uh, right. It's already happened. So where yeah. are we going to go? <laughs> yeah, where are we going to go? We well, can't go anywhere let's else. Let's say if we did uh, destroy this planet, you know, wouldn't we reincarnate in other planets? But go ahead. Well, the other thing that I wonder is why couldn't we reincarnate in 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 the past from this lifetime? Why does it have to be in the future? Why couldn't it be parallel? I find that people have parallel experiences and they have time travel experiences sure. too. So, I so it may that. just be that you keep re reincarnating in the cycle. That's that's in a way why they call this a prison planet. Some people because of people are trapped in cycling. We are, we are, and uh, we just don't seem to learn our lessons too well. We're just so stubborn, you know, we just don't want to get it, and uh, I guess we'll just have to come back until we do, you know, that's recycling, as you said. Our understanding of time is not, uh, we, we do not understand time, and no. actually, uh, uh, Sasha is, is exactly correct in regards to reincarnating in the past, because I... I can't remember who I was speaking to, but they um, they talked about actually having a uh, life uh, like a, an alt. Maybe it was Sherry Wild. I think it was Sherry Wild, with an experience she had where she actually transgressed to another a simultaneously a simultaneous existence that she has as a multidimensional being. But this person was from the past because she looked in the mirror and saw somebody with old clothes. Remember yeah, that well. story? Remember that story? I, I don't think I, but I, I, I'm familiar with the concept. Uh, it's like the time is just a function of this, uh, you know, human life. We, we're the one that uh, created the concept of time. The yes. time is simultaneous everywhere all the time. And I, I have that. I, sometimes I'm, I, I have that awareness that I'm in the future looking back at this time, like this radio show, with great nostalgia. And I'm saying, you know, Kevin, Sasha, Betsy, remember the time we did this show together? And I go, what was that? You know, it's like, it's shocking, but it's like, um, I'm aware that I am, there's a part of me that's reflecting upon this now. And it's, it's simultaneously existing. existing. Some yeah. people might call it crazy, but uh, for me, it's like, no, it's, this is going on. Have you ever you know, heard one, of the One explanation. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just, just, just really brief. One explanation that Caroline Corey uh, uh, gave me, and also uh, Chris Hardy has the same perspective, is that when you reach the singularity within you, the part of you that connects with the singularity of everything and everywhere, it, uh, they, it's like folding a piece of paper so that you're in contact with, you can call it the Akashic Records or whatever, mm -hmm. but you, but everything is open depending on which way you look. And so that uh, this, this, that's, that's where you go. Uh, you get, you find what, what you're aiming at once you're in your singularity, uh, which is that you've, uh, you've centered yourself. You're not being run by any of your sub-personalities, but you're able to center, witness, and transcend. Wow. 
have you heard the theory that um, we have uh, extensions of ourselves that are coexisting at the same time, or we can kind of like an amoeba, we kind of split mm-hmm. off our soul, kind of splits off, and and yeah, that's maybe exactly, like yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah, that's exactly yes. what Doctor Sash is talking about. Yeah, and, right. Um, yeah, and I believe uh, actually I just remember now because I was finishing reading Sherry Wilde's book, um, um, you know, we're, um, <clears throat> the Forgotten Promise. And and Da, her uh, her Zeta teacher, expressed regarding talking about the three lessons that she's supposed to learn, um, and one of the lessons is we are multidimensional beings. And what he showed her is an image of of a stack of like uh, onion paper that's like micro thin micro thin, with representing all the lives that you are, and then putting a pencil all the way through all of them, and that's who you are. That you are attached to all these lives and, and, and um, simultaneously happening at the same time, basically. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of interesting. Get the that's where you get the oneness yeah. and, and the all, the the all into that as well, where we are all one. Yeah, it'd be Betsy, you've been waiting to say something. <laughs> Let's hear it, well, Betsy. <laughs> well, I was just going to say it'd be yeah. interesting to think that I have some extension out there that's living on Earth right now that's maybe a male in India. And perhaps sometimes when we have that feeling of deja vu that it's happened before, maybe we're getting uh, telepathic communication from that other part of ourselves. And I, isn't that interesting to think that, that... They were always being communicated with these other selves. And, it, it, you know, like some days we feel really depressed and there's really no reason. Maybe our other self is really depressed and we're getting that, you know, it's it communicating with us, you know. That's an idea. Yeah, I, I read yeah. the whole series of the Michael Newton Institute books on life between lives and, and his information where they regressed about 40,000 people. They progressed them into where you go between lives. Very, very uh, uh, interesting set of books, and I highly recommend them. But they said that you, you might meet your, your own self sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. when I read that, I, I went, well, I think I did, because I had a, I had a, I had a lover one time, and I kept going, what is this? What is this? It's, it's not, I'm not going to marry this person, but we were drawn to each other. And, and I asked questions of uh, you know, the Akashic record to my higher self or something. And it took a couple of days, but the answer came back and said, well, this is you. This is you in a male form. And you guys have found each other of all places in the, in, on the earth and you came down in the more than one place so you could accelerate accelerate the, the rate of your soul's progression and development. And I went, well, that's the only thing that kind of makes sense because, you know, it was it was a just a year-long relationship and... Uh, and then we were, we were complete, whatever we needed to do, why we needed to reconnect with each other. So and then I read it in that book. I went, wow, maybe that, that's what happened. So um, maybe you'll meet your other self somewhere, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in the store. Yeah. You never know. One of the interesting things, I think it was Penny Bradley was saying, it, she has these multiple selves, and one of them is, was turned into a cyborg, which was just flying freight. It was it was a, a, a Vimana just flying freight around, and she said, sometimes I put my consciousness there, but most of the time it's just an automatic, it's one of my, my cloned bodies. Uh, but uh, she actually can, you know, have these different experiences uh, pretty much at will. Was it Penny, honey? 
I think it was Penny. Uh, yeah, that she has a. Uh, they they yeah they have a bunch of clones apparently the secret space program. Um, you have your primary self, which has all your experiences as a soul. It's got your full memory, so it's like, uh, uh, you know, Beethoven, right? So it's got the talents. And uh, one time people, when they're taken, they're just, uh, their consciousness is taken, their primary self, and moved into the clone. So you're saying, well, I'm on Mars, or I'm on this other planet. Because apparently taking the physical form is kind of deleterious to the form. It, it has to side effects so often they'll just take your consciousness put you on the other planet you do your job and then you come back to your bed and you wake up and you're you're in your bed but you know that it's like that was not a dream what in the world was that <laughs> you know well that's because they're actually taking you so uh, I that's what she was saying she said sometimes she's uh, aware that she's you know on, on you know this uh, the ship and sometimes she's aware she's on Mars and sometimes she's aware that she's a human being, and she's going about her day here on Earth. So maybe that's what's going on. Some kind of variation of that. But I don't know if it's technology based or just what our soul does anyway. It's really hard to make that determination. Somebody else, take the talking stick. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to elaborate on that or go in a different direction? Well, can uh, can I tell you the books that I have, and and I, I see we've yes. only got about ten more minutes, so um, yeah, um, yeah. I've see. got um, the new one, which is Deja Vu, which just came out this past month. Mystic Revelations: The Prophecy of Numbers. Since I'm into numerology, and then there's Ancient Serpent Gods, which we were just talking about. Uh, Mystic Revelations of Seven. Uh, prophecies 2016 and beyond mystic revelations of 13 a lot of interesting things about the number 13 earth energy return to ancient wisdom communicating with the other side uh, never can say goodbye and angels aliens and prophecy which has my own experiences ufo experiences and perhaps an encounter <laughs> wow Oh, so you do you, do you do anything else besides write? <laughs> you got all these books done. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do a lot of well, other things. <laughs> what was your own encounter? You really dropped that one. Oh, what was yeah, the encounter? Was, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Um, well, uh, the first one was when I was eight months old. My parents and I were on a country road up in northern Idaho and it was late at night and they hadn't seen a car or anything on the road for miles it was kind of a strange night and all of a sudden there was this horrendous roar that shook the car it was like a hand came down and shook the car I mean it was they thought a plane was going to crash on them it was so frightening and I was in the back seat in a basket and my father supposedly pulled over and my parents got out and there was nothing in the sky. Well, that was the story they always told me and that's all they could remember until my uncle told me. He said, well, 
did your parents tell you about what happened when you were just a baby and and about their UFO experience? And I said, yeah, I t- told him what they had told me. And he says, well, did they tell you that they couldn't account for two hours, that they were driving from northern Idaho to Twin Falls? And that's like an eight-hour drive from where they were. Uh, they were attending the University of Moscow. And they... I guess my grandparents and my uncle and everybody, they thought they were in a car accident because my father always knew what time they would get there. So when I asked my parents about that, they didn't know. I mean, that was pretty puzzling. So what happened in those two hours? But um, my mother and I were regressed by Ann Druffel, who uh, has written many books on aliens, uh, the Tahunga Canyon contacts and all. She regressed my mother and I in 1981, um, 1981-82, separately, and we both told that something very strange happened. In fact, I had said that we were actually beamed up through the car and into the spacecraft, and it was the gray aliens. Uh, I described a lot of incredible things that happened. So I think we were examined um, and I think we were put back. I remember my parents being slumped over. That's what I said under hypnosis. Um, and uh-huh. it was like they were asleep when we were put back in the car. And then my father woke up and he was all he was all upset. My mother was upset. My mother kept thinking that that they had taken me. Um, she was just beside herself. And I guess she started having dreams that I had been abducted. So that's kind of really interesting. And my, my wow. experience was when I was seven years old and I was walking home from school. And I looked up in the sky and there's a huge silver disc up there. And it's like following me. I felt that it was following me. I mean, the the hair on my arms were just standing up. And I was so frightened. I would run a little ways and I'd hide in the bushes. And I didn't know what to do. And I thought, why isn't anybody stopping and looking at this thing hovering above (laughs) me? And what's really strange is I was so frightened that I remember going completely in the opposite direction and I went to home and I knocked on the door and no one was there. We're outside. We're outside. So I don't know. Love of Lassie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Oh thank you both. Make you aloha. Thank you. is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. 
They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. Who are you? I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. Why am I here? You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision, which has led you inexorably here. You haven't answered my question. The Matrix is older than you know. As you are undoubtedly gathering, the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equation. Choice. Problem is choice. Right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Be here Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Private Eye Matrix Revealed with Monique Lassan. Even the government admits that 9-11 was a conspiracy. But did you know that it was an inside job? That Osama had nothing to do with it. That the Twin Towers were blown apart by a sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes. That Building 7 collapsed seven hours later because... Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 